Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Postcast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and I am joined by a newbie on this show, our editor and noted football expert, and my boss for our, what, the next three or four days? Well, I guess by the time people listen to this, it'll be down to three days, but uh, Josh Wolfson joins us on this, I guess, an, another farewell episode, Josh, because we just did this with our former managing editor and former Wyoming beatnik Brandon Foster like a month ago uh, when he left us for the Seattle Times, um, but uh, I guess we're getting good at these things, man. It's sort of it's sort of bittersweet, but uh, yeah, it's uh, another farewell podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, um, it is. It's I guess it's two stories, so it or two incidents, so it's time to do a trend story. Uh, probably <laughs> journalists out there, but uh, yeah, it's a little. It definitely is bittersweet. I mean, uh, having both of our uh, uh, most recent college sports reporters um, move on to some great opportunities, but uh, you know, um, we're definitely going to miss. I mean, we miss Brandon a lot, and we definitely are going to miss you as well, Davis. But you know, you've done uh, great work for us, and. Um, I'm not saying that just because you introduced me as uh, the notable football expert that I am, and I'm excited to share my expertise with all the listeners out there. Yeah. Well, uh, first, real quick, Josh, uh, go ahead and break down what an, uh, an outside linebacker is. So an outside la- linebacker is one of multiple linebackers. Usually there's three. Uh, if it's a 4-3 defense, there'd be three, and they would be other ones not in the center of the field but on the sides. Right. Bam. 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 Very good. Hey, Look yeah. At you. Maybe I should apply for this job. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say you could be the next Casper uh, Star Tribune UW's beat reporter. Oh, that would be great. I feel like the readers would really enjoy my in-depth analysis. Um, yeah. yeah, my my vast reservoir of football knowledge. Yeah, well, in case for anyone that did not catch on to the sarcasm of that, uh, <laughs> Josh is not. Josh is a is a baseball fan. I was say you're right. You're, you're I mean, you're from California, so you're you're a big Dodgers fan. But um, football, basketball, some other things, not exactly your strong suit. But as you just uh, showed, you're you're learning. You're <laughs> learning. Yeah, yeah. I am a, a huge baseball fan. I'm uh, a big Dodger fan. I'm the kind of guy that uh, like has traveled to Los Angeles to watch some playoff games, um, watch them uh, fairly religiously. Football, um, a little more casual. Um, you know, I have, uh, have uh, I will watch uh, an occasional football game, um, and I do root for the Pokes, uh, but more in a, you know, I'm a Wyomingite and feel like I want to root for my hometown team, but uh, I, don't, I wouldn't claim to be any sort of an expert or, uh, you know, have a, a hardcore fandom about, about them. And, um, you know, I know about, like, two routes, the go route and the curl route. And <laughs> we need to cover that later. I'm happy to. Um, but, yeah, my, my knowledge is a little more limited. If you wanted to talk about, you know, Dodger draft picks, I would be, you know, very much available for that. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe you and Craig Bowl can get in a room and start drawing up some, uh, some go routes. Yeah, yeah, that's my area of expertise. I mean, Wyoming does need to improve the passing games. Everyone knows, so maybe maybe you can help out. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Josh, I think we're uh, we sort of buried the lead here. But uh, as you alluded to, um, this is my last week um, as the UW sports reporter for the Casper Star Tribune. Um, didn't necessarily think that my stay in Wyoming would be this short. I mean, this is 
a little less than three years. Uh, kind of mm-hmm. started here, you know, September of 2018. But, um, you know, long story short, I just got an opportunity that was too good to pass up. So my last day will be Friday officially. Um, and, uh, yeah, I do want to, you know, I, I've, I've put out a bunch of announcements and, and things on social media. But, um, you know, I did want to tell you on here that, you know, I do appreciate you and, and Jack Nallen, our sports editor, for for giving this outsider, so to speak, a chance. Um, you know, I'll be very honest, man. When I, uh, I mean, th- this job intrigued me when I applied for it three years ago. But, you know, it, once this sort of got serious and, you know, we got into later rounds of the interviews, I, I had to look up where Wyoming was on the map. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I knew it was out west. I knew it was around Colorado, Arizona, but I wasn't sure exactly. So um, I'll just be very candid about that. I had to look that up. But, um, no, I appreciate you guys giving me this chance. And, and I do want to say, too, to the you know the people in Laramie uh, specifically, because that's obviously where I've lived, uh, covering this beat for the last three years, and, and uh, the UW fan base and, and people in Wyoming in a whole, as a whole, you know, They've been very good to me, and uh, I, I'm appreciative to that. And and people being being patient with me, and you know, making this um, feel like home for me, which it was for the last three years. And it's a it's a part of my professional journey that I didn't necessarily see coming, but I I'm glad it happened. Um, and, and and new experiences because you know you only know what you know, right? And and so many and and all of us are. Um, you know, sort of shaped by um, what we do experience. And, um, you know, for, for me to come out here and experience a different part of the country and, and get to know people in Wyoming and and uh, the UW fan base and just tell fiercely passionate, um, you know, people are about, about the Cowboys and Cowgirls in the state. Um, I'm very appreciative of my time here. So um, just wanted to say that. Well, well you've, done a, you've done a great job for us. And, you know, I've enjoyed working with you. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, seeing you work, um, and uh, I mean the work's been outstanding. Um, and not only you know, obviously the 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 football coverage and the basketball coverage, of course, being being the primary examples of that. But you know, I do think it's you know important to note that you know during the pandemic, for example, you were helping out uh, covering you know. Uh, sort of the economic impacts yeah. of the pandemic in Laramie. Uh, you've done, you know, ended up having to do some criminal justice reporting uh, <laughs> on, on occasion. Yeah. And, and and then, of course, the rodeo stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, I mean, it's been a, a, a really good ride. Um, and, you know, I've enjoyed uh, having you around. I have to say my, um, you know, I, I was sort of surprised surprised uh to uh meet maybe this is just my lack of experience with the south but a, a southerner who seemed to not be very into the heat yeah um you know which has probably made wyoming like a really good fit um given that our heat is like three months yes no that's that's one of the biggest things i'm gonna miss about wyoming i, w- I won't say the biggest thing because again the the people and uh, have been great to me out here, but, uh, you know, not walk, not having to walk outside this time of year and immediately break into a, an all out sweat is, has been a great refuge for me for the last three years. I mean, <laughs> I'm actually going down to, uh, Mississippi, uh, next week to spend some time with, with my family before I make the move, um, to South Carolina, which by the way, I've taken a job covering, um, Clemson athletics. I don't think I mentioned that, um, in the open, but, um, that's where I'm headed, but I'm going back down 
uh, to Mississippi for a little while before making the, the permanent move, and um, I'm not looking forward to uh, getting off the plane and basically stepping into an oven. So yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I I do not know how people do that, like the 95 percent humidity thing. Yeah, it's like I it's um, awful. Yeah, uh, having I mean the last time I was in experience that was a few years ago. I went to a journalism conference in in uh, San Antonio and uh, uh, stayed in a hotel about 20 minutes away and thought I would walk every day to the conference. And that was like the worst 20-minute walk <laughs> I've ever experienced. Yeah. It's so, like, you sweat for an hour after you get done. It's just not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I'm, I'm also very hot-natured, too, so that, that doesn't help. Like, even here in, in, in Laramie, you know, when it gets up to, like, 80, man, I'm like, okay, I got, I got to start cracking some windows. Um, but... Yeah, I'm hoping South Carolina isn't as bad because you know they they are closer to to the to the East Coast and the beach there. So um, I'm hoping it's not as bad, but I know there's going to be plenty of humidity. But it's also like like I said a minute ago, it's like you don't you know if you don't know any different, you don't know any different. You know, I mean, sure. living in the South your whole life, it's like well, it's like well, people say you know how do you do you, don't you get used to that? And it's like well, you know, come out to Wyoming and where it snows you know, nine months out of the year and, and, and it's frigid. Um, you know, do you ever get used to that? I don't think you do. You just, you know, you deal with it. You live here, you, you, deal, with you deal with it. So you don't really have a, have a choice. But, um, yeah, and, and I do want to appreciate you for coming on here again because I did, uh, full disclosure, I did ask Josh to come on and, and do this with me because I wanted to do one more episode um, before I left officially. So let's go ahead and dive into this, Josh, because we'll, we'll, this will be a lot of, a lot of you know reminiscing, and I'll let you sort of sort of moderate. But what, there was some news, uh, some pretty big news um, in the world of college athletics um, as of July first, and that was the NCAA, um, you know, it, suspending its name, its rules, I should say, governing name, image, and likeness um, on an interim basis. Um, so for athletes that go to schools in states like Wyoming that did not have their own statewide NIL legislation, um, they, those athletes can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. So in short, everybody in the country now, this is the NCAA lifting uh, its rules on NIL that previously prevented um, athletes from profiting off their name, image, and likeness. So anybody that's an NCAA member, like the University of Wyoming is, um, they can now profit off of that. Um, but real quick before I jump into that, Josh, um, I don't know if you've heard anything, but there are there are there's like a group of, of like they're not construction workers, but like painters and handymen that are like working on a building right across the street from my place here in Laramie. So um, you know, if you hear some some people or some trucks or something in the background, I apologize for that while we record this. I've, I've closed all the windows um, in my condo now, so hopefully limiting some of that but if you hear some of that that's that's what it is but um yeah as far as the name image likeness stuff i mean like this was a long time coming um this has been sort of a fight that's been going on between the athletes and the ncaa for a long time um i mean there have been you know the the austin case um you know that kind of stuff has been going on in, in the court system for for years now, um, and it was just inevitable. I mean, when you when you when you have these schools making millions and millions and millions of dollars off of the sports that you know, quote unquote, amateurs play, um, you know, this 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 day was inevitable, um, and, and it finally got here. You know, it's good for the athletes. I mean, me, me personal my personal opinion, 
Um, I mean, I think this is something that's been yeah. long overdue. Uh, and I do like the fact that it's it, it, it it's a blanket sort of deal where it's not just, okay, it's only legal for, you know, your, your most popular players or your most popular athletes and your revenue sports like football and men's basketball to profit. Like, you know, if a, if a women's basketball player wants to hold a camp um, and get paid for that, they can. If a soccer player wants to go out and, 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 and give – soccer lessons uh, to kids. They can now get paid for that. Golf, tennis, whatever it is. Now, obviously, there's going to be different levels to that. Like, you know, your most popular athletes, your most popular sports, you're probably going to get more money than others. But, you know, it's a free market type deal. And now any athlete at the University of Wyoming or any other school, um, you know, you are worth monetarily what somebody thinks you're worth. And, you know, they they can pay you whatever they want to. Right. Um, So... I think that's a good thing. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll get a little bit more here, but Josh, which sort of, what's your reaction? I know we've had a lot, some conversations about this, um, you know, away from the microphone. Sure. Well, I, I mean, I think that this is it's it's funny for for as little as I sort of maybe or you know as casual of a, a as a fan I as I am on you know college sports, I actually feel really strongly on this. I think that it's a really good thing that these athletes are going to be able to. Uh, you know, monetize their value, um, and and frankly, because everyone else already was. I mean, it's right. it's. I remember, and I've, I've you know I've told you this story before, but I'll mention this you know for the for the podcast listeners. You know, uh, you know, probably about a decade ago, I was sitting in a sports bar in Denver. You know, and this was during the first round of March Madness, and so there's you know a bunch of games going on all at once, and I sort of had this realization. I was, was looking around all these TVs. Are you know blaring advertisements at me? Um, all these people are buying beer, buying food, having a great time. Money's getting spent. There's a, all this economic activity happening, and it sort of a, occurred to me that everyone else is getting a, a, a take on this, except for the people who are actually providing the entertainment. And that's what this is: right. is, is entertainment. And the idea that you know some someone who's providing that uh, a reason for you to watch not only the game itself, but then the you know, Pepsi commercial that comes on next. I mean, they should obviously be able to sort of monetize that just like everyone. I mean, if it's, if, if it's good for one person, it's got to be good for everyone. And I think that it's, it's sort of silly to sort of try to make the argument at this stage that this is just, you know, some sort of scholastic endeavor and it would be, you know, tarnished by having someone be able to make some money off hosting a camp or putting their name on a Jersey or whatever it is. So I mean, I think it's a great thing, and I'm glad that they finally got around to do it. And I also think that the writing was on the wall. I mean, there was a recent Supreme Court decision earlier this summer, and it was very clear based on the decision that if the NCAA wasn't going to act, that the Supreme Court was. I mean, they were very sort of clear in uh, being critical of the present arrangement. So, um, you know, I don't know that you could give the NCAA a ton of credit here. I think they were sort of forced into this knowing that the uh, Supreme Court was going to address this matter very quickly if they didn't. If they did what? If they didn't. Um, I'm sorry. If, oh, okay. In other words, if, if the NCAA hadn't acted, I think that it, it wouldn't have been long before the court would have forced their hand on it. In other words, they're responding rest, less to altruism and more to the fact that I think they saw the writing on the wall. Right, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, what's your take? Um, No, I I agree. I think the lawsuit you're referring to is the abandoned lawsuit against the Mm -hmm. NCAA, which is 
yeah, an antitrust lawsuit that's that was has been years in the making, and that goes all back to you know the NCAA football video games where you're, you know they, they quit making the game because you know they, the athletes weren't getting compensated, but they were clearly using even though they they couldn't use their names in the game on the back of the uniforms, you know they would still have. You know, like a number two for Texas A&M was clearly Johnny Manziel back in the day, or number two for Auburn playing quarterback was Cam Newton back in the day. You know, like so it's very like their likeness was very obvious. Yet those players weren't getting um, a cut of you know, the sales for the video game, so they just did away with it. So yeah, that's. I mean, I, I completely agree with you. Um, and you know, one of the things that sort of never made sense about this whole thing, and, and look, man, let's just be honest. There, there's nothing amateur about schools making millions and millions of dollars in revenue off sure. you know the, the the kids that are playing this and don't get a I mean come on that's that's crazy and 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 the NCAA you know they want to protect the idea of amateurism and that's why they've always fought this and they're they're still going even though they've finally um, you know suspended some of their their rules on NIL there's still going to be some things that they fight and they don't want to allow going forward and I think some of it's understandable but I mean some of it was just their way of thinking and their rules are antiquated like it's 2021 like this this stuff wasn't this stuff wasn't going to fly forever and you finally had right. you got to a point where the states by passing their own uh, legislation you know they start they put the pressure on the NCAA and the NCAA's I think saw it coming and just said you know what we got to we got to do this. And, you know, is, is it, do they actually feel like these kids should be compensated um, by third parties? Do they feel like that's okay? Or is it just relenting to the pressure that the states put on them? I tend to think it's more of the latter. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I didn't understand was like, okay, you have the, these students that are on athletic scholarships. You know, if they wanted to, they could before they couldn't go out and give golf lessons or basketball or, or put on a camp and get paid for it. Yet, other students at that same school that might have been on academic scholarships but weren't playing any sports can go out and give piano lessons or monetize a YouTube channel or do whatever they want to do, sure. and, and that's fine. But the one, the just because they're athletes under this antiquated system of laws that is the NCAA, uh, they can't do that. Like that, that never made any sense to me. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I think, if anything, I mean, the NCAA has certainly done nothing but, you know, embrace the commercialization of uh, its athletics uh, for decades. And so, I mean, in, in a way, it's it's brought this on itself. Or we, we've gotten to this point because, I mean, it's it's had no problems with the monetization of uh, athleticism at the collegiate level. And the only thing that they wanted to prevent was having to compensate the people providing the entertainment. They, you know, money was going to be made at every other level, but that, or every other step, but that. And I mean, again, right. I think this is just sort of, uh, sort of the inevitable byproduct of, uh, of, of, you know, a situation where college sports are a, hu- a huge, huge economic industry. And I, you, you know, you just can't sort of abide a situation and I think that's, you know, both the states, you saw this in state legislatures and then again in right. the Supreme Courts, and I think in the court of public opinion, people just saying, no, that doesn't make any sense that some guy is going to get penalized for some sort of minor minor infraction. And yeah. meanwhile, you know, we're, we're, we're signing a big contract to advertise this stuff or however else you're going to monetize it. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, it, it's a good thing. I, I just don't, I don't really see a, a downside here. Do you? Yeah. No, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll hit on that here here in a minute. But I did, I did want to go back. 
uh, and read. Um, now, this is from the NCAA's website and their official announcement on this. So I want to read what this entails, what the policy actually allows. Sure. Um, and, and remember, too, that Wyoming was one of the few states in the country that had not even, I think, drafted or come up with any sort of NIL legislation before um, the NCAA uh, suspended its NIL rules. So without the NCAA allowing this, Wyoming would, you know, there because there were a lot of, July 1st was always the hot date because there were a lot of uh, states, including New Mexico, by the way, which has a school that competes against Wyoming in the Mountain West, that were going to allow these um, uh, laws to go into effect. Um, but here's, here's this is from the NCAA's official announcement on this. Um the policy provides the following guidance to college athletes, recruits, their families, and member schools. Uh, individuals can engage in NIL activities that are consistent with the law of the state where the school is located. Colleges and universities may be a resource for state law questions. So uh, in the case of states like New Mexico um, that had already passed their own legislation, um, you know, I think that obviously takes precedent over the NCAA um, and what it's allowing uh, I think, you know, they so they saying that basically the, the states and the schools sort of, sort of work together um, mm-hmm. on this. Um, next, college athletes who attend a school in a state without an NIL law, such as Wyoming, can engage in this type of activity without, without violating NCAA rules related to name, image, and likeness. Individuals can use a professional services provider for NIL activities, and that means like an agent or um, a tax advisor or, mm-hmm. or someone who you know can help um, the athletes with their future beyond college, uh, sort of getting them ready for the real world, so to speak. Um, and then student athletes should report NIL activities consistent with state law or school and conference requirements to their school. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as Wyoming goes, um, and athletes that have struck deals. Um, I I know that Titus Swin, the running back, um, announced something about a, 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 spot, a, or a partnership with an apparel company. Um, and then Sean Chambers, the quarterback, um, announced on social media just over the weekend that he's going to be hosting a football camp mm-hmm. um, later this month. So those I think those are the only two that I've seen. Um, and obviously Sean's um, – isn't, a, isn't an endorsement deal. He's just putting on a camp. At least that's what he's revealed publicly to this point. I mean, who knows? There might be other him or other athletes that, that have struck endorsement deals that hasn't been publicized yet. But, um, yeah, as far as the downside to this, I, I know the, from there are going to be bigger questions about, okay, well, what about boosters? You know, what in booster activity – and you know, you know, boosters that might own this car company. What's going to stop them from going out and offering a kid six figures to try to you know and, and pass it off as an endorsement deal when really it's just maybe a you know him trying to pay for the kid to come to the school, right? Um, which you know, direct pay for play is is against the rules in the NCAA. I mean, that, I think that is always going to be you know something that that isn't allowed by the NCAA. And it's important to remember that NIL this is strictly third parties. Boosters, so to speak, can't, aren't supposed to directly pay these kids, and the school can't be involved in in giving these kids money in any way. Um, so this is strictly from third party members. Um, but you're going to have, you know, people. Okay, well, what's going to stop a booster from going out and 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 offering a kid six figures or something? But guess what, Josh? There's a little secret. Uh, this has been going on forever. Right. Um, boosters have been paying kids to go to, particularly at some of those blue blood programs, so to speak. 
Um, you know, this is just going to bring what's happening under the table on top of the table. There are going to be, you know, people out there that say, well, doesn't this mean that the bigger schools can, you know, possibly lure the best prospects and, you know, they're, they're just going to get the better, the best players and everybody's going to settle for what else is left. Well, guess what? Um, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, they've always been at the top of the recruiting rankings. I mean, last time I checked, you know, since Nick Saban's been in Alabama, they win their recruiting national championship just about every year. Um, you know, the blue chip kids are are going to the bigger programs. I mean, Wyoming uh, and schools like Wyoming, they don't recruit five star kids. So I, I, from a big picture perspective, I think things are going to stay pretty status quo in terms of recruit and what type of kids go to which type of schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so because all that already happens anyway. I mean, you know, the bigger schools are getting the best players anyway. From a recruiting standpoint, when, when you look at recruiting rankings, um, you know, I mean, could there be a case where where this specific kid might go here because this, you know, this state law allows a little bit more than the NCAA is allowing at our at this school in our state that doesn't even have statewide legislation? Sure, that could happen every once in a while. I, I mean, I, I'm sure it will, but overall, I, yeah, I don't really see a downside to it. Like I said, I don't think it's necessarily going to be changing the recruiting landscape a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, I I think I think you're probably right. Um, and I think that, you know, uh, uh, I think mostly what this does is sort of, uh, you know, you're right, there There might still be some concerns around the edges, but I think broadly this is, you know, a really good thing. It's going to really benefit the athletes. And I think it's really, I mean, I think if, if you're a fan of fairness, uh, I think you should be a fan of this because I think that this is a, uh, whether or not it's a perfect system, it's certainly a more fair system than the system that existed prior to it. Right. And here, here's another part to it that some people may not realize, but this now gives incentive for, you know, sort of the 1% of the 1% in terms of, of, of recruits uh, to go to school now. Because, you know, you have the Major League Baseball draft, which forever has, you know, kids, if they're drafted high enough, they can they have the option of going straight. Or I should say high school kids, not, you know, not anybody, but high school kids. They have the option to go straight from high school to minor leagues and sign for sign with a pro team out of high school. Um, you have in basketball, you have the G league, uh, and all these developmental leagues that, you know, are offering some of the highest ranked prospects and some of the top recruits, you know, six figure deals to go play basically minor league basketball for a year or two before they enter the NBA draft. Um, you know, and you know, if you're the NCAA and you know, you have this $800 million contract with Turner sports to, televised the NCAA tournament every year, you want the Zion Williamsons of the world playing in the tournament. Um, you know, you, you want the best players uh, as, or as many good players as you can to draw as many eyes um, to your TV sets to, to watch the NCAA tournament. And look, I'm not saying that the, that the NCAA needs every single, you know, high school player to, to, to play college basketball from a rating standpoint. Cause I mean, the NCAA, the NCAA tournament is, it will forever be popular. I mean, it's just a great event, but um, you know, if you're a high school senior and you're looking at this and saying, you know, I, I'm, you know, I've got the G League offering me 200, 300, 500 grand to skip out on college and go play, or I can go sign, you know, I'm a first round draft pick in baseball out of high school. I can go sign with a team for 1.5 million or whatever the slot value is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to do that because uh, I can't get paid in college. Whereas, whereas now, you know, if, 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 the, if high school baseball players, that get drafted don't necessarily like 
or, 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 or I should say a team that drafts them doesn't meet whatever the, the kid is asking for um, financially or, you know, they they just don't want to go to the G League. They'd rather go to college, but look, i really like to get paid now. Well, now you now you have the possibility in college to, to go get paid. Mm-hmm. And if you're look, if you're a top recruit or what, you're going to get all right. sort of third parties coming after you and giving you endorsement deals, and you might end up honestly getting paid as much as you would have in the G League or you know signing for a million dollars out of high school to go play baseball. So you know, I think it sort of it levels the playing field some from the NCAA's perspective in terms of you know trying to get as much star power in your sports as possible and and, and giving kids incentive to actually go to college. Right, right. No, I think I think you're right. I think you're right, and I think that's probably a good thing, right? Um, I, I I was wondering, do you think that because um, I, I know that there's been sort of a growing uh, feeling among a lot of college sports fans or just sports fans in general um, uh, of, of sort of being critical of the NCAA and its practices? Do you think this goes far enough that those issues go away, or is sort of the you know, critique of the NCAA as someone or as an entity that, you know, sort of uh, uses these athletes uh, and, and sort of benefits itself much more than benefiting the athletes. Do you think that continues? In other words, does the criticism of the NCAA uh, diminish because of this action or um, is there still plenty of, of uh, uh, other critiques out there of the institution? No. Yeah, I still think there's going to be plenty of critiques and backlash. Like, I think there's just not a lot of fans of the NCAA and the way they operate. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, so many of their rules are antiquated. And again, I think a lot of people are going to think, and including myself, I'll just be blunt here. I think this is more of a reaction to the pressure that was put on them other than them saying, you know what? You know, these schools aren't making millions of dollars. We're, we, we are a billion-dollar industry literally because of college athletes. You know, they should get a cut of this. I mean, I, I think if it weren't for the abandoned lawsuit – and these and, and the NI, and these states taking it upon themselves to put the pressure on the NCAA, you know, in terms of allowing uh, athlete college athletes to compensate off off their name, image, and likeness. I don't think this ever would have happened. I totally um, agree with you, that. you know, I, I think you know every every action requires a reaction, right? So I think this is simply the the NCAA being reactionary when they could have been proactive with this a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you. I think there was no sort of altruism going on here doing the right thing i think it's simply you know the ncaa realizing that like if they didn't act someone else was going to make the decision for them and this was sort of the best opportunity they had to um sort of sort of be part of the change rather than having the change just happen to them yeah no i completely agree with that so no i mean i mean it's good that they finally relented on it regardless of the motivation um but, yeah, I, I still think the NCAA is um, – I think there's always going to be criticism of the NCAA and how they how they operate. Um, so it, maybe it'll lighten it a little bit, get some people off their back. But, um, yeah, I think that criticism will, will always be there to some extent. Sure, so, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on this, Josh? No, I mean, we're right at the edge of my um, – knowledge here um, <laughs> yeah. and like I feel like I have again so sort of a broad sense of this but this is a you know um, just like uh, 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 go, uh, you know go routes there's a limit to yeah. my expertise unfortunately <laughs> yeah well yeah no that's good and we, we can wrap this conversation up here um, I don't know exactly what Wyoming's what the what the University of Wyoming's NIL policy looks like 
Um, because again, with the NCAA, you know, suspending its its NIL rules, it's basically up to each school in states where there was not already NIL legislation in place to to sort of draft their own policy. And I know I've mentioned this to you. That'd probably be a a good story for the next um, UW beat reporter to to work on. Um, and and, I, and it'll be interesting too to see if um, the state of Wyoming still maybe at some point introduces its own NIL legislation to. Um, to take precedence over what the NCAA allows, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I know we were looking a little bit into that, but um, yeah, that'll be something to maybe keep your eye on um, going forward. But Josh, yeah, we can go ahead and take a break there, and uh, when you come back, we'll just uh, we'll do a little reminiscing mm-hmm. of yeah, my time here on the on the UW beat. That sounds great. That sounds great. To have some ready to look back while we're looking forward. Welcome back into the postcast, and uh, now Josh, I'll I'll hand it over to you, man. What uh, just let you sort of sort of moderate this second segment as we, I guess, take a trip down memory lane. Sure. Well, let's start out by talking about kind of when you arrived and what was sort of the state, especially of like Cowboys football at the time you got here. If I recall, um, you know, uh, the Josh Allen and era had sort of ended. Yeah. Uh, I remember Brandon. Uh, mostly because I remember editing it, um, you know, Brandon covering the draft yeah. and, you know, the potato bowl and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, when you arrive, what is sort of the sort of state of Wyoming football as you walk in the door? Yeah, I mean, they were sort of restart, re, retooling, I guess, would maybe be the best word to use there. Because, yeah, it was, I mean, I, I got here, what, middle of the... 2018 season. I remember my first game cover on the beat was um, Boise State, uh, which sure. did not go well at all for Wyoming. <laughs> um, I think they lost like 34 to 14 or something that year here in Laramie. Um, and me and Brandon have actually talked about this on the podcast. But uh, that game, there was also like a, uh, a a weather delay, or not a weather delay, but like a the, the there was the air an air control delay. Like the air it was hazy. Um, oh wow! And yeah. like, yeah, they they postponed the game for like half an hour or something. I was like, oh, this is this is a great way to start the beat. It's a good intro to this. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so you know, Josh Allen was gone. They were starting over at quarterback with at the time Tyler Vanderwall, um, and that whole era didn't go too well with you know Tyler sort of being in and out of the starting lineup and then ultimately transferring. Um, after the 2019 season, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, 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 I'll, I'll be honest with you. It's it, it, in terms of 
just taking over this beat um, in a state like this. Uh, it took me a little while just to get used to that dynamic because, you know, this is one of the few states where you only have, there's only one four-year school. And that, that's not to say that's not to say everybody in Wyoming is like a diehard football fan or whatever. But you know, if you if you are a college football fan in Wyoming and you follow a team, there's a ninety nine point nine nine percent chance it's Wyoming and it's the Cowboys. And where you know where I come from, you know, you have Alabama and Auburn and Ole, and Ole Miss and Mississippi State and you know even South Carolina and Clemson and down in Florida. I mean, you got you got Miami, Florida State, um, and Florida. So, you know, most places the allegiances are split multiple ways, whereas here it's, it's you know, you have a whole state rallying behind one school. And, and I think it, took, it just took me a little while to sort of understand that because, you know, I, I came from a place where it's just, you know, it, it, there's, there's and obviously Wyoming has CSU and, and um, BYU and, and Air Force, I guess, is some of their, their main rivalries. But, I mean, to, to have, you know, in-state rivalries just filled with, I mean, so much. I mean, like in Mississippi, it's just like hate, man. Like Ole Miss and Mississippi, they just like hate each other. And, there, and there's a degree of that too with Alabama and Auburn. I'm sure other other rivalries in the South and, and other rivalries around the country. But, um, you know, to, to not have like an in-state rival and to not even have another school where those allegiances are sort of split um, – you know that that was different, and I, and like I said, I do think it it took me a little while just to understand that, and just to understand like how fiercely proud um, people from Wyoming are uh, to be from this state and be from this area. Which I, I mean, I get like I'm I'm proud to be where I'm from, and um, you know, going back to our whole theme in the open of um, you know you're sort of you're a product of your environment, and sure. you know you 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 know you're proud to be where you're from, even if if you know, where you're from has its issues. And, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm one of those people that thinks like no, no place is perfect. Every, every situation, every place can be improved. But, um, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, people from Wyoming are, are fiercely proud to, to be from here and they're, they're proud of their teams. And, um, you know, obviously want, they'd love to win every game. And, uh, but, but I think, I think the challenges of, of, of this, uh, are, of Wyoming and this and this job. When I say this job, I mean for like Craig, being the coach, like Craig Bowl for basketball or Jeff Linder for bas or, or like Craig Bowl for football and Jeff Linder for basketball. I think the some of the nat, the built in challenges make it that much sweeter when a program like Wyoming does win a championship or does do better than maybe people expect them to do because you you know we we've talked about this ad, ad nauseum on this podcast before, but. Um, you know, trying to recruit to a place where it snows nine months out of the year and trying to convince kids to come, Hey, you're going to be playing, you could be playing multiple games in a foot of snow come November, you know, and, um, you know, and, and not having a big, um, state or base of in-state recruiting talent. I mean, I think Wyoming's right. signed one scholarship kid in football for, you know, the, the, for the last handful of years, if not more. Um, so, you know, you always have to be going outside, of your, of your home base to, to recruit the majority of, of your athletes. And, um, you know, it just it makes a job like, particularly like Wyoming really difficult, I think. And that's why I think it's such a big deal that, that Craig Bowles had the success that he's had with the, the four straight bowl eligible seasons recently. Um, obviously last year didn't go how they wanted to go, but uh, a lot of different factors at play there. But, 
um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a very unique situation, and um, you know, it, 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 it's always fun to interact with a fan base as passionate as one like this. But you know, and look, there's you know, colleges everywhere have, have passionate fan bases, but um, again, to be to to cover you know a program that's the only four year school in, in in the state and the only show in town, so to speak. I mean, that's. Um, that's something different. It's something I really didn't understand and right. until I got here. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's maybe sort of the biggest thing. And, um, you know, I, I, I do, I appreciate, you know, everybody that's, that's read, um, my coverage and interacted on, on Twitter and other social media, even the, even the angry <laughs> tweets and the angry emails. And th- I mean, you know, that, like that's, even if you don't, you know, don't like what you read or, or don't agree with opinion or what, whatever the case may be that, that that's part of passion, right? Like you're not, you're not reading and interacting and doing it if you're not passionate about right. your teams and, you know, have a vested interest in what's going on. So, you know, I, I always appreciate that, the, the good and the bad. So. Well, and I think you bring up a really good point and, I, and just to expand on it. I mean, as far as the importance of the university of Wyoming, you know, I think the university of Wyoming, it, it's definitely part of it is, the fact that, you know, it's the only university, so there isn't, you know, divided allegiance that you'd see in a lot of states where you've got, you know, University of Montana and Montana State or, or yeah. whatever, same, you know, or, or or even larger states where you might have, you know, I mean, I grew up in a state where there were, were dozens of universities. But, um, but I really think that Wyoming, the University of Wyoming, I would actually argue even more broadly than just the, 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 the athletics program and in general, that it is probably the single most important institution uh, in Wyoming, um, and I feel like it's one of those things that it sort of touches almost everyone. Either you know directly, like I've gone to school there, you've gone to school yeah. there, that sort of thing, or you know, oh, that's where I'm sending my children, or that's where my wife attended, or whatever. I think that you know, uh, this, the the institution of the University of Wyoming is hugely important to the to the citizens here. People feel very very loyal to it and um when it succeeds they feel really great about that and then when it when it doesn't they uh, feel that deeply as well and and so i think it's really important you know obviously i think a little bit as the university of wyoming uh, you know beat reporter that means you're a little bit of a lightning rod you know if they're, yeah. if they're unhappy you're gonna hear about that on the old twitter <laughs> I, don't, I don't know um, what you're talking about josh i never heard yeah that. <laughs> but um but i also think that there's sort of this shared joy when something um, really good related to the school happens. Yeah. Whether that you know Josh Allen's a great example. I mean, I remember when he was drafted. You know, some of you know we had this photo that ran on the front page of the paper of just the whole the exaltation of uh, you know the Buckhorn yeah. and Laramie. Just everyone's so happy, and I feel like in a way they all felt like they had succeeded as as Josh Allen has succeeded um, because there's not a lot. You know, that's such a rare event that when when there is that sort of success, it's really uh, it's beyond maybe the normal level of joy that uh, that uh, you know a, a community would derive from having one of its players you know drafted, right. and so you know I think that you've had a you know it's a big challenge and a big responsibility that you've you've had the last couple of years as sort of the person that's communicating news about this this beloved uh, yeah. institution. I, did you? I, I would imagine you you probably felt that a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you said, there there was there was good and bad. Um, you know, I know we've. We've talked before about the uh, the famous or inf- infamous, um, I guess, tweet I put out um, back covering San Diego State in 2019, where I had somebody tweet at me. It was like, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for your Cowboys. And I replied that, you know, they're not my Cowboys, insinuating that, you know, I'm, I don't have a rooting interest. Um, I'm a reporter, not, not necessarily a fan. And uh, I remember a, a player quote tweeted that. And it, I just, I mean, my, my mentions for 24 hours <laughs> were a complete dumpster fire. Um, but you know, I went on to, you know, I put out an explanation the next day and, um, you know, just saying that, you know, it was, that was strictly a, a professional thing. Um, and you know, the, how I, you know, I, I did Wyoming has, has always been good to me and, and, um, ever since I had gotten on the beat, but, but stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to hear stuff, but, but I think part of it too, um, that I've also grown to, to realize over the years is, is. You know, even though you, you're as a reporter, you're not you're not necessarily a fan um, of the teams that you cover. Um, you are covering them, and you are relaying a message to your subscribers and and your readers who are most of our fans. Um, and and that you know right. they want you to, they want you to care enough about. Um, you know, what they care about. They want you to care about, uh, you know, the, the teams that you cover just as much as they do. And I, and I think that's, you know, that's something, mm-hmm. um, you know, whether that's, you know, covering Ole Miss before I came out here and, and, and started working on the Wyoming Bee or being here in Wyoming. I, mean, I think that's something just as a, as a reporter getting into uh, the business, um, I think that's something that you maybe sort of learn, you know, a little bit more um, just with experience and just with uh, our time spent covering these teams. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely relate to that. And that's, uh, you know, like I said, there's there's good and bad with that at times. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed my time in this beat. I thoroughly enjoyed living in Wyoming, um, like I said, in the open. I mean, I, I expected to be out here a little longer than this, at least. But, um, you know, life happens. And, you know, I'm just I'm thankful that I got to experience this as part of my professional journey. Sure, sure. So, so looking back, let's 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 keep reminiscing. Looking back, I wanted to ask you, uh, what what would you put as like sort of the biggest, uh, not your favorite. We'll get to favorite in a minute, but biggest right. game or s- biggest sports moment that you co- you personally covered while uh, at uh, you know in Wyoming covering the University of Wyoming for the Star Tribune. Missouri game, two thousand nineteen. No, there's not even a question. Um, you know, because Wyoming came. I mean, you talk about a game where nobody gave Wyoming a shot. I mean, the ultimate underdog. Uh, I think Vegas, if I remember correctly, they were like at least a seventeen and a half, eighteen point favorite or, or underdog, I should right. say, against Missouri. You know, you you got a Mountain West team going up against the the big bad SEC, and Missouri had the you know that year they had Kelly Bryant, the transfer from ironically enough Clemson. Um, at quarterback stepping, I mean, Missouri was like getting top 25 votes in the preseason. Um, and you know, well, I mean, yeah, nobody gave Wyoming a chance in that game. Uh, including me really. I mean, I, I thought Wyoming, um, knowing their style of play, I thought they could sort of grind it down, um, shorten up the game and, and make it a game for, for a half or three quarters before Missouri's talent just sort of took over and they ran away with it. But the, the biggest, um, memory that I have from that game uh, is the way that Wyoming dominated Missouri in the trenches uh, on the offensive line. I mean, Mm -hmm. Wyoming pushed them around. I think Wyoming rushed for almost 300 yards in that game. 
Um, you know, Xavier Valade had a, a 60 plus t- yard touchdown run. Sean Chambers had a 75 yard touchdown run. I mean, just ran all over them. And I don't think anybody expected to see uh, Walming dominate in the trenches the, the way they did in that game. And yeah, they, they created a bunch of turnovers and, um, you, you know, to sort of, I think, neutralize maybe the, the sheer talent um, advantage that Missouri had. But I mean, them. You know, move, getting getting Missouri moved at the point of attack that was that was no fluke, and I mean they did that for four quarters and um, you know held on for that win. And I think that go, that's one of those moments where it's like, yeah, you know, you got outside of Wyoming, everybody in the meet, you know, local media, national media, or just or just college football fans in general, you know, you thought, you know, and I'm speaking just from like a Wyoming perspective, but um, you know, you thought Missouri, this. SEC team is going to come in here and just run all over us and dominate us, and and we showed you, you know, like we 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 beat them. Like I think that's that's a huge. I think mm-hmm. that win, I think it's the biggest win in the Craig Bolt area. Um, but I, I think that win is is such a huge point of pride for for Wyoming and its fan base to you know for people to sort of look down on Wyoming going into that game, and then Wyoming pulls off. The upset, I think that's that's a moment where Wyoming in the state could really sort of poke its chest out a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I think that um, Wyoming tends to have that feeling of, you know, that flyover sort of people are kind of undervaluing us or not giving us enough credit. And then, you know, coming along and punching the bigger school right in the mouth, I think that people uh, just were really – I'd say really, really excited about that, with the exception of one uh, managing editor. Um, <laughs> I have to bring it up, but Brandon uh, Brandon yeah. Foster, you know, when he, uh, you're, you're, uh, the, who held the beat before you, I remember, I feel like he asked for that day off or yeah. let me know about that around the same time he had taken the job that he had moved from being this college sports reporter. I, and so I, the other thing I, whenever I think about that game, I just think about, Brandon Foster going from so excited to see his <laughs> alma mater in his adopted home to like just sadness, yeah, uh, and probably the one sad person because I feel like the rest of the state was pretty much ecstatic about what happened. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Me and Brandon have talked about that before, but um, no, that was that was easily the most or the biggest game that I covered that uh, Wyoming won. Um, Again, I mean, you know, right. nobody – they were the ultimate underdog in that game and, you know, did what they had to do to, to pull it off. Sure, sure. So l- let's switch and, you know, that was sort of the biggest game or most important. But, you know, obviously, some, you know, there's – as uh, – you know, I'm a long-time reporter before I became an editor. And there's those kind of – what might be the biggest thing you cover isn't necessarily the thing that maybe you personally enjoy the most or your favorite sort of moment because a lot of that stuff – happens in small ways or behind the scenes. So I'm just kind of wondering if you had, you know, a favorite moment or a highlight from the beat, just kind of personally, maybe not necessarily the biggest sort of moment, but just something that, like, uh, from the work itself uh, or the experience of that that you're going to take with you uh, when you when you uh, drive out of uh, the state of Wyoming in a few weeks. Yeah, I would say our coverage of the 50th anniversary of the Black 14. Um, sure, sure. That was it. That was just a really neat event to cover. And look, I know there's probably people around the state that still have, um, you know, their own opinions and own thoughts about about what happened. But just but just from the Black 14's perspective, for me, because this is what I did. I 
you know, I, I sort of did the, um, the door to door approach to getting that story into talking to those guys. Cause you know, I, I think I got, I don't remember how I tracked down. I'll be honest, like John Griffin is the one that, that I talked to the most and that I probably still keep in contact with the most since then. But I, I think his, I got his contact information first. I believe that's how that went. I'm trying to remember, but you know, I just got, then I sort of got everybody, all the other living members contact information from him. And I just, you know, for just to call those guys, first of all, as someone that was what less than a year on the beat at that point, they didn't really know, but to sit there and say, Hey, would you talk to me about, you know, one, one of, if not the most painful moment of your life all over again. And to sort of, you know, drudge you know pull that back out um and 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 ask them to talk to sort of relive that all over again um you know i i mean of all of them that i of all the living members that i reached um they all of them talked to me there was only one joe williams the the running back on that team our 1960 what 68 team i guess before they were dismissed he was he was the only one that that i never got a hold of um Mm -hmm. But everybody else was willing to talk to me and, you know, and was very candid about how they felt about the situation. Good, bad. Um, You know, I I really, I really appreciated that and I really respected that. And, um, you know, and and obviously our our whole project uh, was a group effort. I mean, I I know I did most of the legwork on that, but, you know, we had a lot of help, um, you know, from, from some reporters who were, also no longer with us at this point and, and you and some of our editors um, putting that together and to just, just to be able to tell that not from an athletic program standpoint or in a football program standpoint, but also a university and a, and a state standpoint to tell it from those angles of, you know, how things are the different, how things are different 50 years later or how they even might be the same, um, you know, as, as far as how, um, minorities of black people are treated at the university and in and, and, and Wyoming as a whole. Um, you know, I, I think that was, well, first, I think that was real, a really important story to tell. But um, number two, I, I just, I enjoyed doing that. And, and I really appreciated um, the Black 14's cooperation with that. And I should say some, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank some of um, some current and former um, administrators within Wyoming's athletic department helping, you know, helping me um, do that and, and, and give me some of the access that I needed for that. That was, that was just a, a really, a really cool thing. Um, not only for, again, from an athletics and sports standpoint, but from a societal angle, um, you know, to sort of revisit that 50 years later was, was really, really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up and I'm glad you said that because I think, uh, for me as an editor, that was one of the more meaningful things I've been involved with. I mean, I think it, uh, you know, was uh, that, that that special section that we put together and then all of the coverage in a broader sense, I think, was really important. And I think that uh, it was sort of fascinating to see how the university and the state of Wyoming had sort of how dramatically uh, they had changed from, you know, 50 years ago when when the, when um, they kick off the players off the team yeah. and you know they're you know uh, chanting the coach's name at the next game to you know literally welcoming these guys back yeah. to the stadium uh, and embracing them again and apologizing um, I think it's sort of is a very significant moment um, 
both for the university and for our state. So, you know, I, I definitely would would uh, agree that was a, a big, big highlight. Um, and you did a fantastic job at it. I mean, it's a tough story to get right. And I think yeah. one of the things that I really would give you a lot of credit for was sort of, the, you know, it, going, looking back at that special section, was literally was was the decision to really let the players do the talking and, and let mm-hmm. it be their story. You know, and, and you know, we used a... Um, you know, uh, a story where it's, it's called an oral history, um, where it's basically all, uh, almost all just quotes with a yeah. little bit of narration to just keep keep you on the road, so to speak. But um, I really appreciated that approach because I think that a lot of other people had sort of discussed this issue, but mm-hmm. I think that it's really about the players and I think the choices that they made and sort of... Uh, the way their lives were altered, and so giving them an opportunity to really explain uh, those events and where they're at now, um, I think that's was was really the right way to go. So uh, yeah. you know, uh, great work. Well, I appreciate that, and I'll, I'll just say one other thing about this. Um, regardless of your opinion on the Black Fourteen and, and what all transpired then and transpired now, to sit there and and watch you know, 70-year-old men on that football field when they were recognized right. at halftime right. of the Idaho game and, and sob. Like, man, if that doesn't if that doesn't do something to you, you're not human. Like, that's, you know, um, just considering everything that happened five decades ago and, um, you know, I, I think, I mean, some and for some of them, it's still really painful. I, I, think, the, I think the university has done a really good job of sort of mending that and, um and that that whole situation with with the players themselves, but I know some of them, sure. you know, uh, thought they would never come back to Wyoming, and, and I think there's a select few that still don't want to come back. But um, yeah, I mean, to, to you know, to, to see to see grown men out there on, on a field crying, and and what sort of the, the reconciliation means to them, and not right. only them, but their their families and their and their children. Um, I mean that, that's I mean that's a really touching moment. Uh, I, I mean I, that's something I'll I'll never forget. Yeah, watching that. Yeah, it it, it is. It, you know, I would imagine that'll be a career highlight. You know, forever for you, regardless of what. Well, I'm sure you're going to do some great stuff. Uh, you know, covering Clemson and, and whatever whatever else happens in your uh, yeah. professional career going forward. But I think that that's a you know, I mean, events like that just don't come around all that often. I mean, it's sort of a, you know, to be there and be the lead reporter on that uh, is certain to, you know, it's a special thing to be able to be part of that. Yeah. And, I mean, going back to, like, not being familiar, all that familiar with, with Wyoming and this region of the country, like, I'd never I'd never heard the Black 14 until I moved out here. Right. And I, I, I mean, I, I even remember when you, you know, were sort of getting us all together and we're like, hey, we, really, we need to do this project. It's, we want to do this. I remember being like, wait, who's, who's the black 14 and then doing well, the yeah. research on it. And, uh, you know, to, and you know, for me personally, um, to go from that point to being able to, as you sort of alluded to, just let them, let them tell their, their stories and, and what had happened. Um, you know, that, that was, that was really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, um, let's talk about one other thing at least before, uh, before we get done, which is, um, you know, I was thinking about this, um, uh, you know, uh, oftentimes when I uh, interview, you know, I interview uh, obviously mostly the the news jobs, but I also oftentimes do the Senate second interviews for sports jobs as well. 
And one of the things I often ask reporters is just try to, or potential reporters is to try to get a sense of what they know about Wyoming. Do they have any, uh, you know, prior experience in the state, even if it's just, you know, going on vacation to Yellowstone? Because, you know, you always wonder, is it the kind of person that's going to be able to, you know, adjust to what can be sort of a dramatic change? You know, I mean, it's obviously the, the it's a lot colder and windier than a lot of places. But but more than that, obviously, the isolation, the fact that everything is much more spread out. You know, some people really like that and do flourish in that environment. And some people are like, oh, man, you know, I'm not yeah. not close enough to my big box stores and I just can't handle that or you know, have a hard time adjusting to it. And I remember asking you, uh, you know, trying to get a sense of, you know, backstory in Wyoming and mm-hmm. clearly, clearly did not have um, a big personal <laughs> yeah, connection. I'm, to I'm pretty sure my answer was uh, nothing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm just kind of curious. I'd like to hear what you have to say as far as, you know, as someone who's, you know, from the South, th- from a very different part of the country to come to Wyoming and spend a couple of years here, you know, what, what are the things that you sort of take away from the experience outside of the professional side, but just, you know, living in a very unique and special part of the country? Um, you know, what are you going to take with you when you, uh, when you leave? Um, well, memories, first of all, number, but also patience. I think, Uh I think I'm getting a little more patient here because, uh, you know, snowing as often as it does. Like I'm, dude, I'm not used to that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm so used to just, you know, being able to get in your, you, know, you take for granted, like just being able to get in your car and go wherever you want to, whenever you need to. Um, you know, Wyoming, there's some days you're snowed in and you might right. be, sn- <laughs> you might be snowed in for two or three days. Uh, I remember actually the last big, uh, snowstorm we had in Laramie, I'm sure just the whole state of Wyoming. Yeah. I remember Casper too. When was that? March or April? March. But, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember I remember trying to – I remember looking like outside and being like, you know what? I don't really know if I should do – I needed to go to the store. I, I thought – well, to, full disclosure, I did – it was bad preparation on my part because I'd been to the – like two days before it started snowing, I'd been to the store and I thought I'd gotten wh- enough of what I needed. Uh, turns out I didn't, so I, I needed to go back t- to the store again. And I, like, I was like pulling out of my – parking spot where i lived and i remember thinking i I don't know if i should do this uh but i did it anyway and i ended up getting stuck but i mean literally like probably less than 10 minutes later there were um there was a truck with two guys they come by and they were they like stopped their car got out and and were they were like hey do you need some help and i was like yeah i just need you to like you know because my car was like stuck um it was like buried under like two inches of snow ice. So I couldn't like right. get any traction to go forward. And they were like, yeah, man, we'll, we'll help you. Whatever. And I was like, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I was like, yeah, if you could just loosen up some of the snow and ice in the front so I can get some traction, yeah, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. And come to find out they were, they were part of like this. I don't know if it was like a group, but like maybe some friends or some people that knew each other, they were going out um, in their, in their, <laughs> in vehicles that were more far more equipped to handle those sort of, you know, winter conditions than my car was going out and just, they were going out and using their time just to help people that might be stuck, uh, or needed to get out. Like they were just going around anybody that they saw like stuck or, or needing help. Like they got out, they had, you know, with their trucks and their shovels and, uh, just going around helping people out. 
And I thought that was that was really, really neat. Um, I had never experienced something like that before. Uh, I guess probably because, it, you know, doesn't hardly ever snow um, in the South, but um, yeah, that, that, that was a, that was a neat thing. That was, um, you know, I think that was just sort of the uh, sort of the embodied the sort of the spirit of Wyoming and the, and the people here. But um, yeah, uh, I, I even forgot the question you asked me at this point. I was just uh, just kind of what are you taking away from the experience? Oh, you know, um, or favorite parts of Wyoming. Uh, you know, what have, what have your, you know, observations, I'm always sort of fascinated, you know, cause I've been here 14 and a half years. So, you know, it's been a bit and, you know, seeing sort of the state through someone's eyes that maybe, um, you know, it's sort of still a new place for them and they're coming from something, a very different sort of environment. Uh, you know, I just, I just am always sort of fascinated to hear yeah. people's sort of observations of the state. And I was just kind of curious what, uh, what yours were, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the natural beauty. Uh, that, that's what I was gonna say too, because you know, coming from the south, we don't see mountains. <laughs> um, and you know, to go like I just I I told you this too, but um, you know, I, I I've been wanting to get out to um, Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks ever since I've been here. Um, and then when I, you know, accepted this other job that I'm moving into, um. I sort of put an emphasis on that. I was like, yeah, I, I got to get up there before I leave. And so I went out there last week, a week or two ago. Um, and just, I mean, the scenery and the mountains. And, and it's like that at a lot, you know, it's not just Yellowstone and Green Teen. So obviously it's, uh, it's on a much grander scale out there. And, you know, those, those are, you know, world famous parks and you know, attract all sorts of tur- tourists. But, I mean, it's sort of that way. Anywhere you go in Wyoming, I mean, yeah. you know, here in Laramie at War Memorial Stadium, you got mountains in the background. Um, you know, when you're looking, you know, from the press box or whatever, I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful state. And uh, I'm definitely going to, you know, I've gotten more into um, out being an outdoors person. I mean, I'm still not a huge outdoors person, but I've gotten much more into it. Like, I go on hikes every so often and, um, you know, just because that's, I mean that's that's part of Wyoming. That's part of the country. I think it just sort of lends itself with that with the terrain and, and the mountains yeah. and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean the the views, man. It's it's hard to beat. Um, I mean, if, if you just like like the like nature and um, some of the natural beauty. I mean, it, Wyoming's as good as it gets. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm a I'm gonna I'm gonna miss waking up and seeing mountains every day, but. It is. It is. Uh, it is something else, and I think that like uh, it's majestic. You know, I, I, I think that's the word I was looking for. Majestic. Yeah. There you go. Majestic is a really good word. I mean, I think there's a sense of awe that you sometimes get. I think that you know um, a lot of people sort of think of Wyoming maybe as like a, a lonely tumbleweed rolling across the prairie. Yeah. You know, wide and vast prairie, and, and there definitely is that. But there are some just really, really insanely beautiful. Uh, majestic places in the state and a lot of places that I think one of the things that's most special about it is because it's a lightly populated state, you know, it's, um, you know, you can go see this thing that maybe if it was in California or Michigan or New York or wherever, you know, there would be a, you know, a horde of people there, a big crowd. And, you know, you'd hear kids crying and, you know, dogs barking and, 
you, know, you really couldn't sort of appreciate it in the same sort of way. And I think that one of the things that's really special is there's just a ton of these, you know, yeah, Yellowstone, Grand Teton are fantastic places. Everyone should check them out. But there's these, you know, places that are uh, nearly rival that beauty and you can go there and there's, yeah. you're the only person there or there's right. a few people there. And I think yeah. that is, you know, just outside of Laramie going up into the snowies, you know, in kind of your neck of the woods, oh, yeah. you know, or like, uh, you know, up here in Casper, you know, we go up on the mountain, on Casper Mountain all the time and, you know, you just feel like you're in a, a totally different environment. And, uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that makes Wyoming a really special place. So, um, well, I guess I, I real quick before uh, before oh, I wish I wish I, I wish somebody had told me also though before I went out to to Jackson Hole uh, that it basically turns into Atlanta in terms of traffic this time of year. Oh my God! Like you you couldn't like you know at the end of the day because so many people stay outside of Jackson Hole you know because it's so expensive to stay there. But like getting out of there at the end of the day was awful. Like it took forever, like just bumper to bumper traffic for miles and miles. I, of course, I guess I should have probably expected that, knowing it's in the, right in the middle of tourist season in the summer. But damn, I that was eye opening. <laughs> right, right. It is. It, it's totally eye opening. I mean, it's just a yeah. It's a it's a really unique experience and I'm really glad that you had a chance to see it I mean one of the things that's really nice for me as the editor is being able to bring people in and let them sort of experience what I think is a really really special state so yeah I'm glad you had a, a chance to do it you know yeah me too cool well oh um, I, I have one question for you Josh sure. do do I have a southern accent do you have a what do I have a southern accent oh of course Okay. Not not a st- see I don't not a st- I don't know like I don't I don't think it's that bad but like when I've talked to people out here before I've had multiple people say you know like I'll introduce myself or whatever and then they'll say um, you're not from around here are you or some variation of that and they're like yeah I can tell by the accent which I don't know I guess I do I don't I just. I don't think I have a very strong one, but I guess I do have one. In there. I would definitely. I mean, it's not like this big, like Georgia drawl uh, or something yeah. like that. Like my god, but um, <laughs> but you definitely, you definitely have uh, a little, a little uh, of a of a southern accent thing going. I mean, mostly, okay. uh, you know. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things. Maybe you know, you you only notice the accent when you're. You know, I think you know people say Californians have an accent. You know, I think if you right. live in California, you never hear that. Um, but I definitely think you got uh, a little bit. You know, instead of talk, it's talk. Yeah. You know, I, I, I definitely <laughs> caught caught a little bit of it. You know. Okay. All right. Cool. Uh, I mean, I'm, that's that's fine. I don't have any problem with having a southern accent. I'm proud of where I'm from, but I just yeah, I like. I think I listen to myself talk and then um, think of other people like in the South talk and it's like, hmm, I, I didn't think I really had one that bad, but yeah. If that, you know, if, if all you ever hear is people in the South talk and you get out here, I guess so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I can definitely confirm that to you. If I can give you anything for your time here, I can confirm to you that, uh, you do indeed have a Southern accent. Um, so uh, I'm hope, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing, you know? So, yeah. well, um, well, well, thanks for, thanks for having me on and thanks and thanks for, uh, let, let me, uh, pick your brain for a few minutes about, uh, about the work and, and, uh, uh, and the job and everything else. Anything else you wanted to say before we, uh, 
uh, you sailed off into the sunset or rode off, I think would be more appropriate <laughs> since it's a Wyoming thing. Yeah. Um, no, I just, again, I just wanted to re- reiterate my thanks for, for all of our subscribers and readers and, and Wyoming fans in general for, you know, just following along and, and reading and subscribing and, and interacting and, and listening to our podcasts. And, um, you know, it's, it's meant a lot to, to me. Uh, and the fact that, um, you know, people here were, were so willing to, to trust me and my reporting in such a short period of time, um, and in a place that I, I had never been before. Um, yeah, that, that really meant a lot to me. And, and Josh, I know you guys uh, have some decisions to make in terms of the of the podcast, and um, you know what direction um, you guys decide to take this. If you guys could decide to continue with it, and about, I hope you guys do. Um, I know there's some there's some stuff that that we've talked about before um, regarding this, uh, but yeah, I think we've I think we've gotten a, g- a good following and built a good following uh, i can't take credit for starting this because obviously i think brandon and, and brady altman's our, our former uh preps reporter um actually were most responsible for for getting this thing started but um yeah i do hope you guys find a way to continue continue with it in the future because i think we've built a pretty pretty decent following and 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 like i said the people that have that have listened and, and interacted with us over in recent years of I've been really good, and I'm 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 glad. I like again, I'm glad that people have, have trusted us enough to be the um, to be their go-to news source for for UW athletics, and um, you know have shown us some love over recent years. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, I definitely think that's the plan. You know, is to keep it going. I, I really like it, and I like. I feel like sports podcasts i think podcasts in general people there's just a huge huge interest in them sports podcasts i think that's one of those things that people want to follow and i mean you you know you've done a great job uh, brandon did a great job brady and i think that you know that's definitely something we're gonna you know i I don't think this is the last uh, pokes cast it's maybe the last davis potter era pokes cast but i think uh pokes cast endures yeah well um I do have one other question or opportunity for you, Josh, if you just want to go ahead and uh, tell us who the next UW beat reporter is going to be. You can just break the news here. I, You know what? I don't <laughs> actually know the answer to that question. I, I can tell you that we have, a, um, we have several, several people that um, uh, we're, uh, you know, we've received a bunch of applications, and we're still in the interviewing process. So stay tuned there. I would love, I mean, I'm... Uh, this is neither here nor there, but I'm going on vacation uh, tonight, and I would love to have that sort of uh, box checked before I leave, but I don't, unfortunately, anticipate that happening tonight. Yeah. Well, hey, you take your time, man. I, yeah, I, di- I didn't know where y'all were in the in the process either, but uh, if you had decided, somebody was going to give you a chance to just tell everybody. Go ahead and tell everybody. Uh, but. I wish. I wish. We are we're actually doing interviews. Um, I know uh, sports editor Jack Nallens is setting up some interviews, and uh, we're we're making some progress there, and you know, like I said, I'm excited about uh, the group that we have. I think we're going to find find an excellent person, but uh, uh, you know, uh, sometimes this we want to make sure we get it right. We yeah. make sure it's a really important beat. We want to make sure we get it right. All right. Um, well, I guess we can uh, get out of here on that, Josh. Um, anything? Anything else? Any party shots we get out of here? No, I just just thanks again for all of your excellent work. I've really enjoyed. 
working with you and I've enjoyed uh, sort of reading your work and appreciating what you're doing. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize how challenging a, uh, this job is in the sense that, you know, you're sort of there's always news happening and then just the, sort of the pressure. I think most people could not, uh, would have a hard time dealing with the pressure of like, you know, having a quick deadline and yeah. <clears throat> just breaking news and all that sort of stuff and competition, all that sort of stuff. And you did a great job and, you know, I've really enjoyed working with you and I'm just, you know, uh, you know very much looking forward to seeing uh, what you what you do next. Yeah, well, I appreciate that, man. Um, and again, appreciate everybody, all the subscribers, readers and listeners um, for the past three years. Uh, it's a good job. So um, like whoever you end up hiring will be stepping into a good situation. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Pokes Authority. Um, you can follow, if you still want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Davis E. Potter. Um, this podcast is found on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Omni. So um, if you haven't already, please uh, subscribe to the podcast, download it, give us that five-star rating. As always, our coverage can be found at trip.com and pokesauthority.com. Josh, appreciate you joining me. Um, and again... Signing off for the final time, just thank you to our Star Tribune listeners and subscribers and this whole state for embracing me the way you have the last three years. So um, I will see you guys down the road.